You know, uh, one time uh, I heard a, a verse read. It was from Acts chapter 20, and I'm sure I'd, I'd heard it before, uh, but it stuck out to me differently. Um, it was from a, a professor uh, that I, I was in his class, and we were, uh, it was a, a pastor class, you know, and he began to read it. Uh, and as he began to read it, he began to weep. Now, I don't, I don't know if I was, I don't know how much, pe- like, attention I was paying before, like, I, I'm like, because we read, it's Bible class, we read scripture a lot, you know what I mean? And so I don't know how, I don't know how much I was paying attention, but when he began to weep, I looked up, and I also looked back down at the text, and I was like, what is in here that is so powerful that it is making this man weep? And as I reflect on that text, it's, it's Apostle Paul, and he's given this, this speech to pastors, and he says, I'm about to die, but what, before I die, I need to tell you this. One of the things that he says, he says, I am innocent of the blood of all people. I thought, well, how, you know, how does he get that? What is, what is, what, like, how, do, how, do I, how do I be innocent? He says, I am innocent of the blood of all people because I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So he said, I'm innocent because I didn't leave nothing out. I'm innocent because I said everything that it said. That I, when I reach the end of my life, when I stand before the Lord, I want to say that I, I ain't skip over nothing, Lord. We talked about the whole, every, every part of your counsel, every part of your word, the things that people like, the things that people don't, the things that are, you think are more important. I just want to say I did it. I said everything because I want to stand innocent before him. And that's one of the reasons why, why we preach the manner in which we do. Why do we go through the Bible verse by verse? That's why. Because <laughs> I want to say I did not. I ain't hold nothing back. Now, that's, that, that's, that's one predominant way, but, but there also is another way to make sure you don't, you don't miss stuff, okay? Now, we call, you can call them church holidays, you can call them festivals, and you're like, what is that? Christmas is Easter, or like the, the, you know. So, for some re- if some reason I don't talk about the resurrection, if I don't, y'all better get me. But if some reason I don't talk about resurrection on Easter, <laughs> you're going to hear something about Jesus raised from the dead. Now, if and now listen, you get me if I do this too. If for some reason I don't talk about how, how the word of God, who was with God, who is God, became flesh. If I don't, if I don't talk about that on Christmas, you're going to get that. Now, if I skip it other days, you, you know, you say something to me, okay? Now, there's some other lesser known, lesser celebrated ones that do exist. And today is a day that the church traditionally celebrates something called the ascension. The ascension. Now, we say this, this creed is a summary of what we believe, and there's a part that says, it says, and, uh, you know, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, usually we read that part, and you're like, that's cool, that happened. Well, today, I want to, to park it right there and explain why does that matter? Why is that important? And I want you to understand this. If you get this teaching... If you understand this crucial aspect of what Christ has done for us, this doctrine is life-changing. I'm not just telling you something because I think it's interesting. But if we understand this aspect of the work of Jesus, it will change the way that we live. 
See, the ascension marks the departure of Jesus from his interaction with his disciples in this world and his reign on the throne of God. In this, he is exalted to supreme authority over the whole creation and his reconciling capacity as the incarnate son of God. We're going to explain that, all right? Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth, and he uses that authority to bless and empower his church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord, to explain this. Lord God, that you would get glory and that your people would be strengthened. In Jesus' name, amen. So you heard the reading we see in Acts chapter 1, that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had already risen from the dead, okay? That's the context. He had already risen from the dead. And we see through this conversation in Acts chapter 1 that, that there was some aspect of the work of Jesus that wasn't yet done. There was, he rose from the dead, but there was something else that wasn't yet done. So in Acts 1, 1, it says, I wrote the first narrative. He's talking about Luke, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. I wrote the gospel of Luke, Theophilus, lover of God, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, hold up. He began. What you, ain't he done? What do you mean he began? He didn't already die and rose again. What you mean he began? All that he began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. So listen, Jesus had a teaching ministry after he rose from the dead before he ascended into heaven. And so the resurrection is still in the category of what Jesus began to do and teach. Which to us, that's odd. Like, didn't, didn't he do the thing? Did he not fit? Like, what you, what are you, what are you talking? Could he, could he, like, after he rose again, could he not have just, like, lived a long rest? Like, what if he went around on a preaching tour? You know, like, like wouldn't that, wouldn't that, been, wouldn't that have been better? <laughs> like, Jesus is like, hey, I'm here. You know, like, why, why, what, is, what is going on? What this teaches us is that the resurrection is actually not the end of the story. See, he taught them about God's kingdom for 40 days. I wish I could be there, y'all. I, I wish I, what, what you got to say, Jesus? Listen, that's one of the reasons why we need more than just the books of the Gospels. In our day and age, for some reason, people like to pit the Gospels against the letters. That, what, 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 no, listen, listen. The letters contain what Jesus taught. <laughs> the letters contain implications that we need. The letters teach us about life in the church and social ethics. Now, that's not the main point of the sermon. I'm just saying we don't have to pit them against one another. Okay, listen, the apostles thought that Jesus would end the age, that, that, that it would be like all is done, the kingdom is here, we're cool. That's what they thought, because in, in verse 6 it says, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring to Israel, the kingdom to Israel to, at this time? They're like, are we done? Are you going to finish the thing? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's like, no, what? I'm not done yet. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't on the final page yet. He's saying that the work of Jesus is present tense, still being done by the church through the spirit. 
the work of Jesus is still being done. Present tense is still being done through the church by the spirit. If you go back to John, if you go back to John, John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, he's talking to his disciples. He's saying, I'm about to leave you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. That's, think, that's crazy. What do you, you mean it's better? Jesus, why can't you just be here in the flesh? Why can't you just hang out with us? Why can't we be like, he's right over there. He's saying, listen, as awesome as that would be, it is better if I go away because I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to send you something. Listen, listen, the ascension, I want you to think of the ascension as Jesus standing on the Olympic podium. So usually there's a gap between when you win the race and when you stand on the podium, yes? There's like, I don't know, it could be short, it could be long, but there's a gap. You won a race, everybody's like, you won. But then there's a point where they're like, and this is when we're going to celebrate that you won. I want you to see Jesus when he's ascending to the heavens, when he's sitting on the highest throne, where there is no throne that can compete with him. This is Jesus ascending to the top of the universe saying, I won. And, and listen, and listen, when somebody is standing on that podium, they usually get something, right? They get medals, they get gifts, they get something, right? Now, here's the craziest thing. When he goes and sits in the heavens, he gets crowned and he gets rewarded. And beloved, Jesus ain't stingy. And so then he turns around and shares what he has been given because of his victory. Because he has the seat of divine victory in the heavens, he can share the divine gift, the Holy Spirit, with us so that we can continue to do the ministry that he began. Now, listen, I'm, I'm going to get it. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna still work on it, okay? Listen, here's the deal. The Bible teaches that we need the Spirit to understand what will be ours and what will be ours in Christ. For example, for example, one thing that's yours if you are a Christian is that what's yours is forgiveness of sins. Now, do you always feel that? No, you don't. Nah, sometimes you're feeling guilty. You don't always be like, I'm forgiven. Sometimes you're like, but yesterday... Why we need the spirit, though? We need the spirit. So the spirit goes, hey, listen, you, you are forgiven. You need to live in that. Not, not, he doesn't just help us understand here. He helps us understand here. The spirit is given so that we would know, not just know, but know, so that we would know in the depths of our being what has been done for us in Christ. Listen, I, some days are hard, and I know on paper that there's going to be a day when he's going to fix everything. But I need the Spirit to, to, to make me know in my heart so that my hope will be consistent. In Ephesians 1, that other verse that was read, Ephesians 1, 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Well, why, is he, why did he just tell them what it is? Why he had to pray they know? Could he not just say, this is what it is? No, he's saying, no, no, you need help. You can't just understand this intellectually. You, you have to understand this in the, in the depths of your being by the power of the Spirit. In verse 19, it says, it says, I want you to know, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? 
according to the mighty working of his strength. He's saying you need the Spirit's power to understand the power at work in you. You need the Spirit's power. Now, let me, let me get this. Okay, so let's say, let's just keep nitty-gritty, nitty-gritty. Yo, is, is it hard to be holy? Okay, if you, maybe you need to come teach if it ain't you. All right. hey, listen, it's hard, to be, it's hard to do what's right. And there are times when you look at yourself and you go, I don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know if I got it in me to do what is right. And then we hear Paul's prayer. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you can understand what? Understand the greatness of his power that works where? In you. Listen, when I'm facing temptation, I need the Lord to remind me this temptation is not stronger than the power that's working in me. When I'm facing discouragement, I need the Lord to say, listen, listen, I know you're discouraged. I know it's real, but that discouragement is not more powerful than the power at work in you. Beloved, we, look, look, we need power to be witnesses. Look, I don't know about you. If you've ever shared the gospel, is it not awkward? Hey, buddy, do you know about Jesus? <laughs> you know, like, and they're like, oh, you know, like, here you go again. But look, listen, now listen. I could be overcome with fear and a fear uh, of like, I don't, I don't got the words. I don't know what to say. What, what if they think I'm dumb? You can think all that stuff. But then when I say, now listen, I need the spirit to reveal to me the power at work in me so that I can be obedient and share about Jesus. Listen, listen, this, I'm telling you, this is some real life stuff. Because we really are afraid. We really doubt. We really think that we are impotent to do what God called us to do. But when we remember this, that the spirit is within us to tell us, no, you have the power to do what I've called you to do. He said the power in you, listen, the power in you is connected. Get this, get this. It's connected to the enthronement of Christ above all things. In other words, how is what I'm saying connected to the ascension? That's, that's what I'm trying to do. What, how does that relate, Pastor? What, what are we supposed to do with that? Ephesians 1.20. He exercised this power. What power? The power at work in you. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority power and dominion and every title given not only in this age but also in the age to come paul saying listen i pray that you understand the holy spirit power at work in you and you could go what does that look like paul the power that raised Jesus from the dead and not only raised him from the dead, but seated him above every principality and power. That, that's the power. That's the power at work in you to do what God has called you to do. The kind of power that raised Jesus Christ to the highest level of authority. Beloved, the scripture says there is no power over Christ. There's no demonic power. There's no systemic evil that that can compare with Christ's power. And look, we live in the West, so we get real funky when we talk about demonic. Like, is there a demon? Is it real? I don't know. Listen, listen, if you just read the news and read about what goes on in our world, 
it cannot just be attributed to people are tripping. No, no, no. There is a, a malicious evil at work in our world. And we can say, listen, even though that malicious evil is there, I know someone who is seated above that. And that power is at work in me. Everything, everything that would raise its hand against God and his people are under Christ's feet. And then when we think about that, we just think they're chilling under his feet. No, when something's under their feet, that means he's standing on it. And then he ain't just chilling there. No, no, he's crushing it. The things that want to take you away from God, the things that want to deter you from what he's called you to do. No, he says those things, those things are under the feet of Christ. Not only is he above all things, Jesus rules over and through the church. Look at Ephesians 1.22. It says, and he subjected everything. What? What did he subject? Okay. He subjected everything under his feet and appointed him, him being Jesus, him as head over everything for the church. Which is his body? The fullness of of the one who fills all things in every way. In other words, he's saying, listen, the church in some way is connected to the present rule of Christ. You're like, but how? <laughs> listen, you need to see the work of the global and historic church as Christ establishing victory over his enemies. Beloved, because our church is here, it is evidence that Jesus Christ is on the throne. Because there's a church in Burkina Faso that is faithful in the midst of persecution, it is evidence that Jesus Christ is on the, on the throne. Because there's a church underground in China that they, they, they have to meet in secret because of persecution, but they're still there. That is proof that Jesus Christ is on the throne. Because there is a church on every single continent that is proof that Jesus Christ is on the throne. Now listen. Is it not evident? Is it not evident why we would need to see and feel the work of the Spirit to believe this? Sometimes, it, uh, let's, let's be real, sometimes we look at our little efforts and we're like, this looks so puny. <laughs> is this doing anything? I'm letting you in on staff meetings now. Is this working? I don't know, but we here. <laughs> we here. I don't know. <laughs> Now listen, now the fact that we're here tells me something about Jesus, that he's sitting on the throne, that he ain't moved, that he is accomplishing his rule and reign through us. Listen, so we, we, we celebrate this because, because the ascension, this is included in his work of redemption. We celebrate what he has done. Even in the psalm that we read this morning, Psalm 47, I'll read a little bit of it to you. Psalm 47, 5, it says, God ascends among shouts of joy. The Lord with the sound of a ram's horn. Sing praise to God. Sing praise to our king. Sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom for God is the king over the whole earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. Who's on the throne? God. God and Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus is on the throne. See, Christ, the son of God, the one who is one with God and the one who is God reigns over the nations on his throne. 
and he has been and is presently subduing the rebellion of the nations. While on his throne, since he has occupied that throne for 2,000 years, this gospel message has gone to every continent. This New Testament that we have has been translated into 1,500 languages. Is Jesus on the throne? It looked like it to me. Because everywhere you go, you're going to find somebody to follow him. This is evidence that Christ is on the throne. Every color, every complexion, every culture. Jesus got people because he, he rules over what? Every, everything? He rules over all kinds of people? He rules over every color? <laughs> hey, come on now. Every, I am ruling over everything. Listen, not only that, he has the authority to guard and protect us from spiritual harm. Listen, I want y'all to, I'm going to let y'all in on a secret. If the success of the church or the success of this church was on me, it, we wouldn't be here right now. Okay, I'm not, listen, I'm just being honest. There are days when I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I do know. He is on the throne. And he is subduing his enemies. Mm. He's at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean for us? That means he's interceding for us. Listen, in the highest court, The one who sits as judge carries the scars of our redemption. And the highest court, if there is any accusation that can be brought against you, all Jesus has to do is just, hey, I took care of that. And the highest, listen, I don't care if it's your neighbor. I don't care if it's Satan himself accusing you. In the highest court, there is evidence that you have been forgiven. He is interceding for us. What accusation can overturn the verdict of this judge? Now, listen, y'all. If this is true, if the ascension is true, and I'm making the claim that from the scriptures, and I'm also saying by evidence, it is. If it is true, then we can have confidence in the mission now. If our mission is to preach the gospel, produce disciples, and pursue justice, and it's up to you and me, we might be scared, okay? We might be like, I don't know, maybe. Depends on the day, okay? But now, if it's up to the one who is seated on the highest throne, if it's up to the one that is, has his foot on every principality and power, we can have a sure hope. Not only that, beloved, The ascension is the reason that we can have freedom from oppression. You ever thought about this? Like, if you read the book of Acts, like the apostles just like casting out demons and stuff. You ever thought about like, what? Now listen, when Jesus does it, you're like, what's Jesus? You know, like, like, sure, Jesus would do. But like, the apostles was out there doing craziness. Crazy goodness, yeah? They're out there casting out demons, healing folk. Like, What? And then sometimes, sometimes they turn around and try to worship him. And they would go, wait, wait, we, we people like you. Don't, no, don't do that. What, what is going on there? See, through the pre, listen, because of Jesus' ascension power, that power is at work in them. And beloved, the same power is at work today in our church. Through the pre- preaching of God's word and prayer, Jesus is presently 
present tense, delivering people in our church. Now, listen, I don't want y'all to freak out, but I'm going to just be real. Listen, we have seen people freed from demonic oppression in our church. We have laid hands on people who have been oppressed by the devil, and we have seen them set free. This ain't, I'm not just talking about something that's hypothetical. I have seen it here. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne, and every principality and every power, everything that will raise his head against him, it is defeated at the mention of his name. Beloved, that, that's one of the reasons why like, I, every Sunday I say, I want to get prayed for. Why? Because I believe Jesus sits on the throne and he can deliver you. That's why. That's why. So, beloved, because, because we believe his word, because we believe what he said, because he is seated on the throne above every power and principality, and because he said that power that did that is in you, man, we don't have to fear. We don't, we don't have to look so much at ourselves and look at our inadequacies. It's not about our inadequacies. It's about his sufficiency. So here's the deal, y'all. Jesus is still doing the work of defeating his enemies right now. Now, I like to make it practical. Can I make it practical? Make it practical. You like, what, what kind of stuff did Jesus, Jesus cared for those who didn't have means to care for themselves? So, beloved, when we do stuff with the foster room, when we help the Julie Valentine Center, when we, do the, when we do the hard work of helping people, I want you to understand that is Jesus presently reigning through his church, defeating his enemies. So, beloved, when we go out in the streets and we preach about Jesus and we pray for people, that is Jesus right now, present tense, ruling and reigning through his church. Beloved, when we are encouraging one another to fight sin, when we are saying, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live in that way. That is Jesus Christ right now, presently ruling and reigning through his church. Beloved, does this doctrine matter? Does it matter? So we have to forever celebrate the ascension of our Lord. The fact that he is seated in heaven above every power and principality. The, the fact that he is received from his father, the divine spirit, and gives it him to us. Let us forever have confidence in the power of the ascension of our Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. Lord God, that you defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave, and that you ascended into heaven, and that you sit at the right hand of God, and you rule and reign over us. Lord, you're so generous to us, giving us forgiveness when we did not earn it, giving us the, the power of the Spirit when we did not work for it. So, Lord, I'm asking that by that same spirit, you would stir up faith in us. That we would take you at your word and believe it. And that we would seek to preach the gospel and do good in our community with the full knowledge that your power is with us. And that your power 
is at work. In Jesus' name.